Welcome into the Midtown Madness podcast with Peter Hale and Zach Miller. I'm Zach Miller. I've got Peter Hale with me in just one second. But first, we're going to throw it over to an interview with head women's soccer coach Katie Shields. Uh, this was an awesome interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I know Peter and I really loved talking to her. Uh, she is special, special, special. Um, just you guys got to listen to it starting right now. Uh, we're so excited to bring on a landmark guest to the podcast, the first head coach to join the Midtown Madness show. Uh, she has her Billikens headed to the NCAA tournament for the third season in a row. Uh, they're sporting a 15 and one overall record uh, and a more than convincing eight no uh, in the A10. Uh, Katie Shields, welcome to the Midtown Madness podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely exciting. Uh, you're on a bit of a whirlwind, whirlwind, uh, media tour today. eh? Yeah. You guys, Frank Cusimano, some stew. It's been a great day. Stu always, or, uh, Coos always gets the scoops, man. He always does. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, uh, you played at Harvard and you went to school at Harvard. How did you react to the, uh, the Ivy league canceling their seasons? To be honest, I, I thought it was a bad omen for the rest of us. Um, they're usually the first out, they're first ahead of, of the rest of the game. Um, and so when they canceled, I actually got nervous that that was going to uh, be an omen that we were going to end up canceling. But I get it. Um, the Ivy has never blinked about what their values are and what who they are and what you know their priorities. So um, I think it's, you know, obviously I think pretty disappointing for some of their student athletes, but um, it wasn't that surprising to me, um, at the end of the day, just being a part of the Ivy for seven years total. When did you, uh, when did you get the kind of go ahead that it was going to be a spring season? Yeah, I think it was kind of a, just a long build. Um, I, I remember it being mid July when we understood that the fall wasn't going to happen, but, um, Chris May was always pretty bullish that the spring would absolutely happen. And he jumped on with our team on a Zoom, right, the day the A-10 canceled and, you know, basically answered questions and said, hey, we're going to go compete for a championship this spring. We're going to play in the NCAA tournament this spring as long as there is one, as long as there it happens. So um, his pretty confident leadership, I think, helped us keep our group settled and, and just focused on the spring. You had a lot of... Uh a lot of experience before you made it to SLU, but kind of your, your SLU career was kind of a, a quick turnaround between when you were hired as an assistant coach by Kat Mertz. And then she ended up going to Oregon, Oregon and then, yeah. yep. Uh, she ended up going to Oregon and you were kind of uh, you were hired uh, from an assistant role. Uh, did you, I mean, was that kind of a, as whirlwind as for you or were you, were you ready to go as a, no. as a head coach? <laughs> Not at all. I mean, right place, right time, to be honest. I remember seeing you in the uh, in Chaffetz at a basketball game. And you're like, oh, man, I can't believe Kat left. Um, and, uh, you know, I was kind of in that same mode. <clears throat> but I, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, I guess, interview um, for the job, kind of had a had an opportunity to get my foot in the door, because I think, you know, both both Chris and Janet at the time were, were pleased with the direction that Kat and then myself had the program starting to go. It was a long start, but um, so I just kind of grabbed the opportunity and uh, I think they were incredibly patient with me and I'm incredibly appreciative that I got the shot I did. 
you, I mean, you got your foot in the door, but eventually you kicked down the door. I think it's fair to say, um, uh, you know, three straight a 10 championships, uh, three straight undefeated seasons, uh, that only tie being that George Mason game. Um, I, I was to say you were livid would be an understatement. I'm a pretty calm person. And I wasn't, I wasn't very calm, uh, in that, that moment, that game. I couldn't believe they even started the game, to be honest with you. I, I remember watching that and it was, uh, I, I don't, you could, the ball would go like two feet if you passed it as hard as you could. Yeah. I mean, we're honestly, we're lucky nobody got seriously hurt in that oh, game. Yeah. And so like the lesson learned is I'd never have a team take the field again um, in that kind of condition, but still learning lessons as we go here, you know, year seven, year eight. You got to St. Louis um, and, and did you, did you feel any pressure at St. Louis because there is kind of that boys club or boys and girls, you know, old boys, old girls club in St. Louis. It's kind of, um, it's very tight knit. Um, and there is, they, St. Louisans feel some type of way about their soccer. You know, they are very proud of their soccer. Was there pressure or did you see it more as a ch- an exciting challenge? I think, um, there's always pressure, but I think I, we always feel a little more internal pressure if we're doing it right than we do external. Um, I, I, you know, yes, there is some very uh, proud St. Louisans of their soccer. Um, so that adds, but it also adds a level of special to, to the program. I think it's probably a heavier pressure on the men's side than it is on, at least when I took over than it is on the, was on the women's side. Um, now we've elevated, I think those expectations, but for us, it was always about just trying to get, uh, yes, win over the St. Louis soccer community, but honestly went over the young St. Louis soccer community and try and get the best recruits in St. Louis to give us a fair shot and a look. And that was really, I didn't pay attention because we knew if we got them, we would then win over the elder, uh, St. Louis soccer community. And so that, that was really where we put our energies. And when you build a winner, then people start to, you know, jump on and it, it needed to be from the talent side. In terms of recruiting the St. Louis market, do you think it still stacks up nationally? Um, I know historically it's always had that reputation, but I, it feels like a lot of other places have caught up. Is it still one of the elite recruiting markets or um, is, is, is it kind of evened out over time? I think for the size of the city, it's pretty elite. Um, but yes, there are other places that have, I mean, Southern California is, uh, off the charts comparatively, uh, the New York, New Jersey area, Texas. Um, but I do think for the size of the city that St. Louis is, it is absolutely elite. And it's a reason we are for the 15th seed is because our roster is St. Louis kids. Um, that said, it's not always easy to keep them all home. Um, but we are trying our best with, with each, each class each year. I know you briefly mentioned, uh, you know, Chris Allen and, and recruiting the St. Louis area. And he came up with this idea of, of um, you know, visiting uh, your recruits at, at other sporting sports competitions, uh, softball, uh, football. Um, Track, what, basketball. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did, can you kind of expand on how that came about? And Yeah, um, I mean, Chris is unbelievable. Like, listen, we're not where we are um, without, without Chris on our staff. Um, he is the perfect yang to my yang. I mean, he, he's, he's phenomenal at what he does. And I mean, going to other athletes um, or recruits, sporting events, it's not a new idea. I mean, when I was assistant at Harvard, I went to high school lacrosse games um, to recruit kids. But I think Chris really came in and he, he said like, 
we are going to, the way we are going to get some of these special kids is by out loving them, like out loving them. And, you know, then he kind of pushed on, all right, we're going to out love them. And that means we're just going to show up at everything they do. Um, and so he was, he's, you know, relentless at what do they do, reaching out to high school coaches. And it's also, to be honest, it's just a better way to also build relationships is you can talk to Hannah Larson about kicking extra points in her high school football game. Well, you're not now that same coach who's just talking to her about her performance in her club soccer game. Um, so it just kind of became an X factor that, like I said, Chris definitely was the one who pushed that and is always, you know, Hey, so-and-so Lindsay Heckle is going for a thousandth point in basketball tonight. Let's go. Um, and so he's just, a his attention to detail, his ability to organize our recruiting and then uh, separate us from a relationship standpoint. It has been an, it's, it is again, the reason we are having some of the success we're having. Have you attended any non-sporting events like a, like a school, like a school musical or something? That's my dream. That's what I'm waiting for is the kid like starring, you know, in their high school musical. Cause I love theater. Um, but, uh, it might not surprise you. There's not a ton of crossover. I, I can't see Hannah Larson on the stage um, or Caroline Kelly on, you know, on the stage or in the choir, but I'm hoping someday we might get like a band concert or something. Your team, they, they do play with a lot of energy, a lot of exuberance. It seems like they're really having fun out there. And I've noticed that more over time since you've been there. When you're recruiting, are you recruiting, I guess I would call it character personality to fit the program? Or do you think the recruiting approach you just described is sort of naturally finding those players who are going to come in and, and be good fits in your system? Yeah, I think it's a bull. I think it's a bit of both. I mean, listen, we're going to, you could be the coolest human in the world, but if you're not talented enough to play for us, it doesn't make sense. Um, but I do think we will, um, one, yes, we'll recruit some things that are maybe special and we might not go after a kid that, that maybe is a quote blue chipper if they don't fit us personality wise, if they're not willing to high press, if they're not willing to play freely and, you know, kind of with that joy or if they have too big of an ego, like ego doesn't fly in our program very well. Um, and so I think it's, it's both. I also think it's, we are not afraid. We're not a very militant program. Like we're not afraid to let you come in and let your special or your weird, we have a lot of weird, like let your weirdness shine. Um, and right. I think, once you get in our environment, um, these kids kind of look around and they're like, oh, I can, I can be weird. I can have a laugh. I can have a good time. But I would say the number one quality we recruit, and it's why we recruit a lot of crossover um, athletes to other sports is um, competitiveness and a will to win. Like those are my two non-negotiables. Um, I always ask recruits on a scale of one to 10, how competitive are you? And if it's anything below a nine, I've got questions um, right away. And so just the way we operate our program. Um, and, and so those are, yeah, we suss a lot of that out in the recruiting process, but then I also think our environment lets you kind of let loose where you're not afraid to get yelled at, or you're not looking over your shoulder. Or are they laughing at me? Um, it's a pretty free and free place for them. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of weird and, and, uh, creativity. And I, I do notice a lot, like I, I, I find myself gravitating and noticing the, the Tobin Heath and a lot of players on your team, the more creative and the more kind of, you know, like the Brie Halverson, uh, I think for a, a couple of years, she was, you know, dancing on the sideline before games. It was always something that, that drew me in right away. Um, but 
Uh, I have a question from uh, a friend of the program. Uh, he's a big follower of us, um, and he's a good friend of mine. Uh, we went to Brooklyn together for the NCAA, or the, the A-10 championship. Um, he wants to know about the leadership and culture. Um, he, he says, watching all 27 players uh, supporting each other the way they do uh, has been really, really fun. And, I mean, you have, a, you have only one senior starting. Um, yeah. and, and it's gotta be kind of hard for that, those three seniors to kind of revert back to a bench role. Um, so can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, I mean, I would tell you, like, I think on game day, it probably looks seamless and easy, but like, it takes relentless work, um, from the staff to, we have a leadership group of seven players that we meet with weekly, um, to every member of the staff has uh, we divvy up each semester, all 27 players on the team. And, and we have individual meetings with them every single week. So like I have seven players that this week I will spend somewhere between 30 minutes to an hour having an individual meeting with. And so I think when you invest that amount of time um, and, and like some of the, some of that seven are players that may not travel, may not dress, you know, um, may not play a meaningful minute, but I think if you invest in them, one, uh, as people, two, as students, and then obviously three, as, as soccer players, um, then it's a lot easier to buy into something bigger than yourself. Um, we do a ton of culture building before you even arrive, um, and one thing we, we are very relentless on doing is defining roles, and so if there's clarity of role, you may not like the role, um, but as long as you have clarity and you understand what it is, um, I think more often than not, players can buy in. Um, and we don't really believe in secrets. Um, you know, we'll show you, we'll show you our, we'll tell you what we think, we'll show you our thoughts, um, we'll share video, we'll share statistics with you. And, um, and we really, at the end of the day, we make it very clear that while we are absolutely a program um, that values all 27 players, we, we, we prioritize winning in a championship culture. And so if, um, you know, if that's not what you're after, then, um, you know, it's either we have this, uh, we use a lot of, um, gosh, metaphors in our program. And uh, we talk about the seats in the boat. Um, and so there's three, four different seats. Like seat one is you are charting the course, your hands are bloody, you got wind in your face, you would, you're just relentless digging in at every stroke. Seat two is like that first follower who is, um, you know, digging in. They might not be out front taking all the weather, but they're, they're the one that, that is right behind you saying, what do you need? I got your back. And then seat three is kind of looking side to side. Um, you know, what's in it for me? Sometimes they're paddles in the water, sometimes they're not. And then seat four is you're actively working against the current of the boat and you've got your paddle, you're bitching, you're, you know, complaining about the coaches, the team in the locker room. And so we actually ask players um, to define their seat, what seat they sit in in the boat and, and really quickly, and we ask them to do it multiple times throughout a year. And so really quickly, you start to understand if, if you have seat threes or seat fours um, and we either got to get them into seat one or two or they're not the right fit. So like I said, it's, it, it may look seamless on game day. Um, we also believe in building up, you know, individual success but not just Hannah Frederick bearing that 89th minute you know we have a, a rope we give out um that like every week the person that best uh lived one of our core values for the week and like last week we're going into championship week and 
um, the leadership gave it to Casey Hartman, our backup goalkeeper, um, for embodying the core value one. Casey hasn't played a meaningful minute all year. And so I think those pieces kind of keep you connected if you aren't in the, you know, in the playing group. But like I said, there's a lot of elements that go into it. And I think sometimes on game day, it looks a lot easier than it feels on uh, every other day. Um, jumping into this season specifically, um, can you talk to me about the scheduling? Just like the, the, it was a challenging season as a whole, but just the complexities of putting together a non-conference schedule. Um, you had to play games inside in Indianapolis and at uh, Lou Fuse at Old Ram Soccer Park. <coughs> talk to me about all that. Yeah, uh, Chris May, or Chris May, sorry, Chris Allen deserves um, <laughs> like a Nobel Prize for putting the schedule together because I, I just gave him some guidelines and he ran with it. Um, he's like persistent enough to just annoy schools to either say yes or no. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it was first understanding what SLU would allow us to do and incredibly grateful that they allowed us to have a meaningful non-conference season. And so I think we looked at it saying we knew we had a young team. We had to schedule some wins. We also had to schedule some tests. Um, and we also just had to schedule people that were willing to come play us or go, or that we could go play them. Um, so it was kind of a combination of all those. It changed a million times, um, but it ended up to be, you know, a pretty good slate of games to prepare us for the A-10. Can, can you uh, talk about that Arkansas game? Because it was not streamed and I don't think, people really kind of got an idea of how that game went. I didn't, obviously didn't either. I thought about going, but I didn't. Uh, but can you kind of go over that game? Yeah, it was awesome. It's such a bummer that it wasn't streamed. Um, but, you know, I think uh, we, we just, they executed the game plan, um, to be honest. And, and we were pretty clear in what we, what we were set out to do um you know we knew they were a very high pressing team we wanted to play a pass out of their press versus just play into it and launch balls into it we also wanted to press them we thought we could get them to cough up the ball a little bit that teams don't often go high press them um, because that's what arkansas does better and then we also um they're very good on set pieces but so are we and so we thought if we could win the set piece and the kind of aerial challenge battle that that we'd have success and um we did I mean we scored a phenomenal goal off a corner kick to kind of open it up and then um the nice thing came out of that we weathered a storm a little bit defensively Emily Percelli made some outstanding saves um, to keep us up a goal and then uh early in the second half uh, we got off awesome we also really wanted our team when we got in the attacking half to push the tempo. So if the ball went out of bounds, get it back in quickly. Don't let them get organized. Um, and we did that, scored another great goal. And then, you know, they were pushing for an equal. They got got one back, which was a little nervy. Um, and then we're pushing. They were pushing for the equalizer. And we got one against the run of play, kind of an individual effort from Emily Gork. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, it was just it was just one of those moments where kind of a young team almost realized what they were capable of. Um, but it was, it was awesome. You mentioned Emily um, and oh, Pure Sally, sorry, not yeah. Gork. Um, I, I want to go back to that Dayton game at Dayton. She got run over in that game and is literally holding her arm. Can you, <laughs> I just want to know, like, was it out of sight? Like what in God's name? No, I mean, she's a tough kid. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of got ripped back, you know, if you watch the replay in slow-mo, it got, got ripped back, but 
long story i mean kind of sprain it essentially sprained a ligament um in that inner shoulder but you know our our trainer or athletic trainer angie's amazing she just went out there kind of calmed her down did a bunch of strength tests did rotation tests i mean and i was actually telling casey our backup goalkeeper to get warm and, and casey was kind of looking at me like mm-mm. <laughs> like mm-mm. emily's staying <laughs> um which speaks to how good emily is but uh but just you know i also think there was a little bit of just i think emily was maybe scared that it was worse than it was um but we're fortunate it was what it was and she could keep playing and she made an unbelievable save uh, that, yeah off she, that kid's foot yeah she exactly. reached out and i was like and it was with her bad arm too and i was like oh my goodness that's when i that, that's when i was like okay this kid is, <coughs> is something different uh, she's 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 she is she's something different um so we're like i said we're lucky it was what it was and, and that she's tough enough to keep playing in terms of preparing for the A-10 conference tournament, the, the really weird quirk about it is you wind up with one team that you're going to play a fourth time and you get through them and then you see a team that you haven't seen all season. So that's, it's really unusual um, given that you're going to see most teams at least once throughout the year. How, how, do, you prepare, how do you prepare the you know, back-to-back games like that? A team that you know extremely well and then somebody you've got to turn around and see for the first time. I mean, the... the- Dayton was like, are you kidding me? For all of us, to be honest. Um, but we felt good about it because we thought we actually had our worst performance on the previous Sunday, our senior day. We didn't play well just overall statistically. We didn't have a good, great day. And so we knew we could prepare the team and we felt pretty good about that as long as we could um, ensure motivation. Um, and I, so Chris on had really done all the scout leg work leading up to the all three Dayton games. And so I said, let me take them. I'll, I'll give a fresh take. And then he looked ahead and prepared for either UMass or Davidson. So I think just given that look, that's typically how we approach two games. One of us will take one, the other will take a different one. Um, and then Davidson, I mean, I'm not going to lie. We watched that semi and we were nervous um, just because of how they played. I mean, they sat in on us, they sat in and that is tough to break down when they're really organized. So I guess it was less about the repeat opponent and the new opponent and more just the, um, the challenge of they were very different teams. And we knew to our team, it was going to feel really different after you play in these like track meet games against Dayton to then go play a game where the tempo was so slow. Um, and so that was probably the bigger challenge for us. Talk to me about that Davidson goal, because it word on the street is you guys scouted that girl specifically that she does that, that she scored three goals like that previously already. Yeah. Um, how, what was your reaction to her just to, to that, you know, after you had scouted it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's the best thing and the worst thing in the world when something you scout and show the team then shows up in the game. Um, but not when it looks like that. Uh, you know, we knew we, they wouldn't get a lot of chances, <clears throat> but that they would be deadly with the ones they got. Um, and so obviously it was an unfortunate giveaway. And when she got it on her foot, I, I, I think I just, oh no. Um, you know, and she hit it. She hit probably the shot of her life um, and no fault of Emily. Emily was in the right position when we gave the ball away for, for what was happening. Um, but I think it made us all a little bit nervous because then we knew that it almost gave Dayton, excuse me, Davidson permission to sit in. Um, so it was, it was less about, yeah, we knew they could do that. We just didn't want to give them any sniff to do it. Um, and so then it was just going to be a, 
a steeper climb um, in the second half or the remainder of the game. Um, what was the what was the team's kind of reaction to uh, that goal, and, and what did you see that you liked uh, in their reaction, even even though they didn't uh, pull one back uh, at before half? There's a really cool moment, um, and I didn't see it until I, I watched the video back. Um, but the obviously Sophia gives the ball away, the kid hits a bomb, and Davidson's celebrating, and the camera's panning on Davidson and kind of pans away from us and you know, the majority of Sophia kind of puts her head in her hands and the rest of the team kind of walks away from her. But Bree Halverson is basically on a full sprint to Sophia um, to get to her and to tell her to leave it. It's the next play. It's how you respond. And it's like this great leadership moment where Bree gets to Sophia and gets her out of that moment and into the next. And I think that's something about what makes our team special is um, a lot of people could be pissed <laughs> and they are in that moment, you know, um, that it's an obvious mistake, but that doesn't help us move forward. So I loved that moment, um, from Brie it's leadership. She's continuously given us through the years, um, especially to a freshman in, in the biggest game she's played in. And then I, you know, I think, um, there was a little bit of franticness at the end of the, if that's a word at the end of the half and obviously getting a goal disallowed right before halftime is frustrating, but as they came off the field and I walked into the halftime huddle, um, they were pretty calm. And the voices I heard as I walked in to, to address them were Bree Halverson, were Hannah Frederick, the leaders, the experienced ones who have championship experience and knew that we had plenty of time. And then I think in the second half, yeah, we made a few adjustments and tinkered with things, but they stayed steady and they didn't get frantic and just launch balls into the box or cheap giveaways. Um, they kind of just chipped away at the game. And so, I really like that response, especially since we hadn't been down a goal at all, um, you know, the entire season at halftime. Um, you guys obviously come back and, and, you know, you get the PK um, and then it was uh, Friedrich hit that bomb. I mean, you could, you could simultaneously hear the crowd erupt and exhale at the same time. <laughs> I've never, I've never really, I can't remember a crowd doing that simultaneously. Um, just an immediate thought in the, you know, in the immediate of that ball hitting the back of the net. I, I don't even know. I mean, I could see it, just the angle, you know, sometimes yeah. you have these awesome angles when kid hits a ball from wherever you are in the stadium. And I, you know, from our bench, it came off her left foot and holy that thing's going in like I you know you could just see it is similar to how I saw Emily Gork's game winner the previous Sunday on the other goal you know the south side goal going in and it's just this moment I mean if I'm being honest it was a bit of a relief <laughs> um but I, I will also say incredible um joy for the team but also for Hannah um she hasn't scored a lot of goals this year she's found herself in a different a playmaking role and so it's this moment of relief joy but just like redemption too for her um and and so I I mean it's the and then it's this moment of like all right we got a minute and a half we better not mess this up so getting players behind the ball trying to get them organized and deal with the kickoff it seemed like throughout that game they were they were getting forwards in between the midfield and the back can you kind of talk to me about that because I'm not super smart I can organize a defense as a goalkeeper but I can't I can't do much more than that um uh, can you explain kind of why that happens with with the way we are set up 
like us getting forward. Yeah, and, no, they yeah. were getting no. Um, so it seemed like they were finding their players in between our between our scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we call it space seem to free soccer nerds. Um, but uh, I think it's it's twofold. One that um, part of that's a reaction to playing against Dayton so many times. So Dayton really wanted the space behind our line. So you play them for three times, three times in a row. We're almost more careful to protect the space in behind. And I think you know, young back line, we're maybe not as protective of the space in front in that game where. Um, we're also chasing the game. So our deep midfielder, Carson, Carson Cole, Abby Miller, you know, they are pushing forward a lot more than they typically would. So there's just a bigger space in there. Um, usually that space should be pretty tight, pretty difficult to play into. I think for those two reasons, it just grew. We also knew that they would, they, it was okay if they got the, the ball in that space, um, that athletically we could probably deal then with whatever came out of that. So we almost gave them a little bit there to not have them get behind us. Moving ahead to uh, selection show, I, I guess um, it looks like you got together in like the student center or something to watch that today. Did, were there any expectations going in or any kind of like, hey, I, here's where, uh, uh, you know, I think we might be because a, a top 16 team was pretty, it's new territory and it's pretty great to see. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I think uh, we didn't know what the committee was going to do because it's such a weird, <laughs> excuse me, it's such a weird year. You know, I think if a normal year, it's a field of 64, we're hosting probably the first round, no doubt. Um, and so we didn't know because usually it's not like, it's not like the basketball tournament where in women's soccer, they actually organize the first few games based on geography. So we didn't know, would they just seed at one through 48 or would they do geography and put us all in Carolina, whatever. So I didn't have a lot of clarity. I thought we would be right around the, where we landed. I thought we'd be on the edge of a seed or those first few teams not seeded. Um, and so, but as an opponent, I had, I mean, clearly who could have picked those two teams? Um, I had no idea, but I am, I am proud and, and, excited for the team that they're a you know a seed and if you look at the company they're around it's pretty awesome from where this program's come in a short time uh for for fans out there uh you guys will take on the winner of washington liberty friday the 30th at 6 p.m um your style of game prep uh because you know i guess i guess i want to frame this question in the way that you know you you don't know who you're going to play yet uh, but also in general, uh, the style of game prep, do you focus on kind of playing your own game versus scouting to attack the defend or defend the opposition based on their style? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, we're very, we don't change much game to game. We are who we are. Um, our defending style is what it is. That, that doesn't change. Um, attacking wise, we very much pay attention to spaces we think we can exploit and maybe players we think we can pick on. Um, and so we might, you know, tinker, move so-and-so here. And, you know, as you kind of see, we flip some sides of players at times. <clears throat> and that was very intentional when we do it. But um, other than that, what we do to prepare the team is, I mean, we will train things to prepare us to be the best version of ourselves. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time preparing, <laughs> excuse me, other than maybe outside of some set piece moments of another team set up, we're not going to put like a scout team out there and play in a, you know, a Liberty or Washington style. Um, we believe like, 
you got to deal with us. You got to come after us. Um, and, or, and that's a lesson learned over the history since I've been in the program. Every time we've changed um, stylistically, even systematically, drastically um, to kind of accommodate a, an opponent or because of an opponent, we've never won the game. So philosophically, that's something that we just, you know, especially going into Arkansas this year, we said, we're going as we are. And then obviously that, that paid off and the players enjoyed that. And I think they feel most confident in what they know as well. Um, yeah. Sorry, Peter, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, in terms of the Sweet 16, are you trying to keep your players from getting too distracted at the possibility of playing uh, UNC? I don't think they're distracted. I mean, I don't know. I, we, you know, it's, it's kind of a quick moment that I spoke to him. We'll, we'll have a team meeting tomorrow and kind of unpack sure. the plan. I, they, you know, we can't look past anything. We haven't won a game in the NCAA tournament since, I mean, well before me, 2006. So, um, you know, I think this group will, will definitely, there's no looking past the Liberty or Washington by any means. Uh, they had they put the video up online of of kind of celebrating uh, the announcement and it cut off <laughs> right before uh, yeah right right before the reaction to North Carolina. I'm curious to get the inside scoop on how they reacted. How did the team react? I honestly, I think it was just more like whoa, you know. Um, if if I'm being totally honest, my kid was with me, and so I was a little distracted as the announcement popped up um, by him. Um, but I think it was just more, it was like, you know, a bigger cheer and kind of, I'm sure there were some looks I decide like, holy cow. Um, but Hey, you're in the NCAA tournament and like, you got to play the big dogs. Um, one, one last question for me. Anyway, I, Peter might have one more, but what did you learn from the, the, the last two years making the NCAA tournament that you're going to, you're going to carry into preparing for this one? That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, we were super nervous uh, year one. Um, and so I think we prepared a little bit differently year two. I think um, year two going into the game, we weren't as nervous, but as the game wore and we got scored on, um, it got a little, and I think part of that was we had so many seniors on that team and so much emotion to that group and so while this team plays with a ton of emotion as you guys have said and a ton of energy that to try and just um keep them moment by moment minute by minute just in where their feet are like in the now don't look too far ahead don't look past today's training session um and just enjoy the opportunity um to play more and to be together and you know also don't let the moment get too big and i think that's um, you know, I think we've got this team and this program at a place where they get it. They belong and, and it's more than belong. Like they, they can win these games. And I think the Arkansas win, um, really probably pushed us to another level, um, because we've told them for years, you can win these games, but like, you got to do it at some point. And so I think that's a piece of just reminding them what they're capable of day by day. My last question just is, is more logistical than anything else. I'm wondering, um, it's, it's all a single location in North Carolina, the tournament, right? And, and yeah. what, what's the setup there? Is it a certain number of teams per hotel and you've got to get there a certain amount of days ahead of time or how's, how's this working out? Yeah, we're still sorting it out, um, but <laughs> as true fashion, um, but uh, actually, so our first game against, you know, obviously one of those two will be, it's actually near Charlotte. 
which I, you know, going into the day, I thought everything was in the Raleigh, Cary kind of area. So we're about two hours outside of the central area. So we'll actually fly into Charlotte. I don't believe it's totally set in stone yet, but we'll go out. So the field, it doesn't start till next week. So we'll go out next Wednesday, um, you know, hopefully train there Wednesday, train Thursday, play Friday. Um, and there's only a handful of games at that specific site. I think it's like a USL stadium um, that we're playing at. So we don't know. The NCAA tells you what hotel to stay in. So we don't, we'll get that tomorrow. Um, like I said, I think we're close to a flight, but it, it's actually kind of good, I think, to be out of the center of it. You know, it can kind of keep you, keep you focused, keep you out of the hoopla and get you good training sessions and stuff. Well, coach, thank you so much again. Uh, this, this has been a lot of fun. Um, it's been awesome watching you guys this season. Um, I know that you're, you're, you're gaining fans by the day, uh, from, uh, at least from the message boards, uh, people are jumping on the bandwagon, uh, every game, uh, Peter can attest to that as well. Um, yeah, and- this team's a joy to watch and congrats on your hundredth win and everything you've uh, achieved there so far. It's been a lot of fun to see. No, thank you guys. You guys are awesome. The, the when Herman Stadium's packed, there's nothing like it, and and just the fans, like it's it's fantastic. So I, I appreciate what you guys do. Appreciate you loving our program, and um, just thank you. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Coach. Awesome. See you guys. See. You. Thanks again. So much to Katie Shields for coming on the podcast, uh, taking the time this we record later in the evening. So I know she's got to be exhausted from this media tour she's been on. Um, Pete, she was a treat to talk to, wasn't she? Yeah, she was um, really, really excited about this tournament um, and, and, and what their program is doing and where they are. You know, we talked so much this season about them coming into it, being a young but talented team. Um, here they are 15 and one with one overtime loss to a top 10 team, having steamrolled the conference yet again, won the conference tournament yet again, and, uh, now gotten some serious respect from the, uh, the women's NCAA tournament with the top 16 seed. It's, it's incredible to watch. Yeah. Let's go ahead. And I, I had men's soccer up first on the docket, but I'm going to call an audible. We're going to go ahead and jump into that, uh, that women's soccer team. I mean, we already, we already talked with her a little bit about that Dayton game. Um, so not much else we can add really, but uh, we'll just run through it again. Um, 3-0 win on Thursday versus Dayton here at Herman Stadium. Uh, Abby Miller gets a goal uh, in the 25th minute, her seventh on an assist from Brianna Halverson. Uh, Hannah Friedrich gets her third of the season in the 64th minute from Emily Grork. Uh, Hannah Larson adds the third goal sealing the victory for sure in the 88th minute uh her eighth of the season um this game was i mean nothing more you can say you beat a team four four times in one season it was great the whole first half which was you know it was a close half even though slew went in up one at halftime um it was just clear who the better team was and and um you know you're you're never comfortable with a one nothing lead but the, the difference in skill, athleticism, and, and, and preparation was just clear. But then you come out in the second half of Dayton through everything they had at them and um, got a little nervous there for a while. But, um, you know, seeing, seeing Friedrich get one in the 64th was a big, big sigh of relief. And then that third one from Larson, honestly, 
the the run that she and Halverson both went on to put that together you're like how are you doing this almost yeah. in, you know in the 90th minute of this game this just they had another gear that Dayton didn't have um so that that was a blast to watch this team man I I I I it's gotten to a point where I I love just sitting down grabbing a beer metaphorically or literally I don't know like if I'm in the mood for a beer I, I love just sitting down to watch this team it's fun. I, I, I want to see more. I mean, they're get, like I said in the interview, they're gaining fans by the day, but Billiken fans jump on this bandwagon. If you haven't already, it is enjoyable soccer to watch. Um, I, not, you get Davidson in the next game and this game was a tension convention as, as, uh, as they say uh man the the nerve i don't i don't think i got to, to to mention this in the interview but the nervous tension the nervous energy at uh at herman stadium after uh Haley bremer scores in the 25th minute uh i <laughs> i i sit next to uh sit next to jack raboyne and we both looked at each other and we're both wearing masks and our eyes just tell the entire story we're just like uh-oh uh, this is not what we expected to happen. Uh, and then, you know, Abby Miller gets that PK and uh, in the 57th minute and she buries it cool as you like. Uh, and then of course, Hannah Friedrich screamer in the 89th minute to, uh, to seal the win, just an absolute pill of a goal. Um, just, it's, I, I, I got nothing left. It is just an unbelievable game. Yeah, I mean, not not only conceding that first goal that, uh, you know, made everyone so nervous, but they had one called off after that, too. So, yes, you're um, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So so Coach Shields went over it um, yeah. about how they actually were pretty cool and collected at halftime and still knew there was a lot of game left and and, uh, you know, could could come out and get something back. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you, you expressed it when they got that second one, the, the, the one with just over a minute left to play, it was, um, it was joy and relief simultaneously mm. and, the, and the crowd just exploded. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, we always, again, we talk about this team being young and promising, mm-hmm. but man, the poise, the poise to not allow. And this is when being at home and playing at home with fans can can really maybe be a detriment. You've seen it at Chaffetz before. You see it. Uh, we saw it. Um, was it the? Was it a Richmond game? Remember the Richmond game? The I, you weren't there, obviously, but the weather was really bad. It was a low attendant game. The nervous energy. You could feel it, and I think uh-huh. the team responded. With this team, they don't. They didn't let that affect them, and it was fantastic to see. Yeah, they, they don't play, they play way beyond their years. You know, they've, they've got four seniors, only one of whom starts and plays major minutes. Um, you would never know that there are so many freshmen and sophomores on this roster. It, it just doesn't look like that at all. They play so confident. They play so, they, they play, um, they have such a good collective energy that's, uh, that's really palpable. And um, you're right. I mean, in soccer, more than any sports too, mm-hmm. the, the, the nerves, um, you know, you can, you can really feel it out there. So to, for them to fight through that is, is so impressive. You can, uh, you, we talk often about the plateau and we do it a lot with women's basketball, the plateau with this class that, that Katie Shields has brought in. She broke through that plateau 
very quickly as far as like the recruiting, you know, that, that, that ceiling, she just smashed it down with this class. I would say this team was ahead of schedule for sure. I mean, um, I think everybody knew it was going to be the most talent in the A-10 mm-hmm. this season. Uh, but I don't think anyone would have predicted, um, you know, another undefeated A-10 season, regular season, postseason title, and then um, being one of the 16 seeds in the tournament. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. I mean, th- and, and to think that they don't really, they bring everybody back. I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're right. I, this is not, there's this is no by plateau. no means a plateau. No. no. Um, so they get uh, the selection show. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, it with, with coach Katie Shields. Um, not much more we could say. They will get the winner of Washington uh, Huskies and Liberty Flames Friday night, uh, the 30th at 6 p.m. Central time. Uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Washington game. They're big, they're fast, but uh, I mean, so are we. We've, like I've said a million times, this team has the size and skill of a, of a sorry to say, power five conference. Well, and they've, they've gone, they, you know, they went down to Arkansas and took care of a ranked team on the road. Um, they took a very good Oklahoma state team, a top 10 team at the time um, to overtime at home before losing. So there's, there's definitely some proof that this, um, that this, whatever they do translates outside the A-10 to, um, to a bigger stage. So yeah, we've already got that. We already know that. I, I did want to ask um, Coach Shields during the interview, I was going to ask her, so which one of you takes the Washington scout who takes the Liberty scout, but she basically just said, we're going to make them play our game. Um, So I I really like the confidence um, going into this tournament, you know, whoever, whoever they're facing is going to get their best game. Yeah. Men's soccer um, dropped their semifinal, the A-10 semifinal 2-1 to Fordham. Uh, They have missed the NCAA tournament. Uh, They, actually did not score a goal on their own in that game against Fordham, uh, an own goal in the 35th minute, uh, a goal for Matt Sloan in the 55th minute. And, uh, I don't remember his first name. I just put Pengrazi in the 58th. I think I gave up on the notes for that one, but, uh, he got a yellow card for removing his shirt after that goal and, and probably should have been sent off later in that game for, uh, for an, a foul for a second yellow card. Um, yeah, the Pelicans had their chances in this one. They did. And, you know, the, the first half was, it was pretty hard fought. Um, it was actually, I gotta say that own goal was kind of a beautiful strike by their player um, on a, on a Wendy across kind of right into the area. But uh, yeah, you know, coming out in the second half, I kind of figured like, you know, Slew's, Slew's in pretty good position here. It looked like a pretty evenly matched team. I know before, before the game, we had no idea, you know, who Fordham was this year. Um, they are a team that has made the NCAA tournament coming into the season, um, you know, basically every other year for the last six years or three out of six. I don't remember the exact order. So they're a very good program. They've been ranked, you know, a little bit um, and they're undefeated, you know, undefeated this year. So we knew they were good, mm-hmm. um, but they they definitely um, they outclassed Slew for a while in the second half. And, uh, you know, once they went up, I, I saw a panicked Slew team. Mm-hmm. It, it was something about Schulte after yeah. that second goal that just it, it kind of encompassed what I felt like 
about the entire team. And I don't want to throw Schulte under the bus. I mean, no, it goal, was, us goalkeepers are weird. We, you know, you got to let us do our thing. But yeah, it was not yeah, good. Yeah, it was all the way up and down. I mean, they, yep. they, they were forcing things. They they were, it, it, I just saw panic. It was mm-hmm. it was frustrating to see. I mean, they could, they definitely, um, I don't know why they didn't get a, a PK there. Yeah. Um, late in the game. Yeah, they should have had a, P, Slew should have had a PK late. Uh, yeah. The Fordham goalkeeper was, I don't know, speaking of goalkeepers being weird, I don't know what the hell this guy was doing. Uh, took down Betcher um, in the very corner of the box on the touchline. Uh, I mean, it was it was uh, it was beyond understanding, but uh, it wasn't called. The linesman staring right at it. Um, but again, you had your shot. You didn't. You didn't do it. I mean, is what it is. Uh, slew doesn't finish first in the regular season. They don't get to host the tournament. Um, they don't make the NCAA tournament. Where do we stand on the season as a whole? I mean, of course, we're going to qualify it in terms of everything else going on in the world. Done it a million times. I don't need to restate anything else. Um, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's a disappointment, you know, it's, it, again, it's, every sport has been shortened by COVID or affected, you know, in some way. Um, and really one result down the stretch changes and, and you might be actually hosting this thing um, instead of having to travel to Dayton for it. So it's frustrating because uh, yeah, you're right. Instead of that one seat at home, now you're, now you're, uh, you know, playing a, on the road and um, it's, it's just, a, it's a totally different vibe, but you know, the A-10s, it's not a one-bid league. You know, both both UMass and Fordham got in. Yeah, um, I got to I gotta eat crow on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's definitely there's definitely an opportunity. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's clear there's a, at least a little bit of respect for the league at the top. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's another disappointment. It's a letdown. And I know, you know, a, a lot of more casual fans might see Fordham and say, well, that's weird. But Fordham is actually one of the better programs in conference. So no disrespect to them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They're a really good team. And, it, uh, Fordham's know, one Fordham. of those. Fordham's one of those programs that like has everything very meh. And then they have one program that's like, like women's basketball for Fordham has always been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, soccer for Fordham has been really, really good. It's, it's just one of those things. Yeah, they do a few things well. And yeah, that's about it's it. Hard they, to, hard to describe. Yeah. And then Dayton well, wasted the number one seed in the tournament. Completely. Yeah. So, so that's um, you know, it's just another frustrating season, and and uh, we, they've got a lot of promising pieces. There's 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 no reason for you know panic or anything like that. This right. program's going to be back, but um, you know, you just got to kind of keep the faith and. Give Kalish a little more time. Yeah, but, it's only his um, third season, right? Second, third. Yeah, but but you know this is it's still the most the winningest program in history. So um, yeah, you, you want uh, you, or at least in terms of titles. So mm-hmm. you know you're it's been a long time, but our fans definitely want to see us get back to be that at least perennial tournament team. Yeah. You know, like I think I said to you a couple of weeks ago, like the with our soccer programs really need to look at the a 10, like we need to be the Gonzaga of this conference mm-hmm. and just, we need to be the t- most talented team every year. And we might not win the conference tournament every year, but you know, we're, we're going to win the league and we're going to win, win the regular season. It's just, it just has to be that way. So. Yeah. I think you're always going to have, and I don't want to alienate anyone, but the old fogies, right. The St. Mm-hmm. Louis, the St. Like, look, we're coming from, 
McGinty era where McGinty brought it was recruiting heavily Texas international, Texas international. Kalish is now a philosophy of we're going to dominate. We're going to try to dominate St. Louis recruiting. So we're switching over. We're, we're Kalish is, is turning the page completely and we're going to need to give him more than two years. And, and St. Louis is not going to win every game and not go to the final every year. It's just not going to happen. There's too many damn teams in division one. So let's throw out this. Should a powerhouse team lose to Fordham in the A-10 championship? It's it's soccer. Soccer's a bitch. It is. It is. It's a, it's a cruel freaking game. And you're going to have these, these things that are going to happen. We were a good team. We weren't good enough to overcome, you know, that loss in the A-10 tournament and make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. So, you know, there's, there's still going to be one of the better teams in conference next year. And um, as long as they improve, just as long as they, yeah. Hey, look with a new coach, I, in a program with such historical significance as St. Louis university, I think it's worth giving a local guy, a local coach, five plus years to continuously build and build and build because like it or not there we're starting from you know 25 percent of 100 you know we're we're starting not from average so give give him some time let him build this thing and i don't want to say the right way because that's all of a sudden become like a, a joke on twitter now as far as so i'm told uh, but let him build it slowly and I don't mean the right way by not cheating. I mean, the right way is in class by class by class, getting better, getting better. And eventually I believe that Kayla shall get there. Will I have to answer that answer to that eventually? Maybe, but that's how you build a program. So, um, yeah, that, that's right. And, and I mean, just looking through the roster too, I mean, this, it, it is worth, worth a reminder that this is a very young team. There are only a few seniors. Um, you've got a ton of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's yet another reason, you know, give, give them a little time. And I know we just talked about the women's team who is equally as young and they're, they're outperforming, but, um, but I, she's had like, eight years now. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it, it took right. her, it she's took her five years. years before her first NCAA tournament. That, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yes, so, yes, there is a little more history on the men's side. And pressure and yep. pressure, but you know, you got to build, you can't, it, Rome wasn't built in the day. Right. Yeah. He's got to get through at least one cycle of, you know, classes coming through. So um, we'll get there. I, I, you know, I'm optimistic for next season. Um, yeah. Well, look into baseball and softball now. Uh, don't look now, Pete, but we've got winning records in conference in baseball and softball. Uh uh, baseball takes uh, a 3-1 series off George Mason to uh, send them to 3-1 in, in conference. Uh, they lost the first game of the series 7-3, but bounced back with 6-4, 7-0, and 4-2 wins. Um, good see, good. Hey, you know, we've said that uh, it, it's more about what these guys do, these guys and, and ladies do in their, uh, in their conference, didn't we? We did. I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen too. Um, you know, not being in the strongest conference out there. 
Right. Um, and look, you know, baseball, they're down a little bit this year. They weren't, uh, it's not like they were picked to win the league or anything like that, but it was a really ro- a tough non-conference and a really rocky yeah. one as well. But yeah, I, I kind of had a feeling as we rolled into to, to George Mason that, that things would kind of start to get on track. Uh, thank God I went and looked at the baseball schedule because I almost forgot about uh, the uh, time is a flat circle news of the week. Yeah. Uh, the uh, d- ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again, a, uh, a Billiken Richmond series has been postponed due to COVID protocols within the Richmond athletic department. Uh, stop us. If you've heard that one before. I'm just going to assume whatever happens, you did the right thing. <laughs> and uh, I, I honestly, you know, I kind of think if, if this one's as, as heated as the last one was, I mean, I kind of, there's, there's a nice little rivalry forming here based on our COVID protocols. There's some bad blood coming. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. It's uh, yeah. So no games this past weekend for the, the Billiken baseball team, they will, uh, they'll travel to travel to Dayton, Ohio and play a four game series Friday through Sunday with a double header. Uh, I believe they're playing seven innings uh, Saturday in those double headers. And those will be, I think Dayton's going to have those on ESPN plus. So uh, if you want to get your weekend baseball fix and the Cardinals aren't playing well, uh, hit up that Um, women's softball um, really took it to uh, St. Bonaventure this weekend to improve their uh, conference record. I'm just going to talk about conference for this because really why are we even talking about non-conference anymore? Uh, They're improving to nine and seven overall in conference uh, after dropping four straight to GW uh, they, oh, we, we talked about the date and we talked about GW. Um, they, sorry, they went to George Mason, took three of four off George Mason and then swept Bonaventure seven to four, four, three, 13 to two in five innings and seven to five in these finale. Uh, they'll take on George Washington, uh, this weekend or no. Yeah. This coming weekend, uh, April 24th through the 25th, uh, two, two, two days of double dips, um, yeah. And then come back to play Southern Illinois and Kansas city. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, you know, both in, in, in conferences that aren't really good. Uh, it's all about the, it's, it's preseason versus conference season. So. Yeah. And once again, I kind of had a feeling we would see these results, you know, they had a lot, a lot of hard fought losses in the non-conference. We talked a lot about those one run games. Just so, so many close losses and uh, you know, eventually things are going to start going their way. Yeah. Um, You know, that's your, that's your Billiken. That's your Midtown Madness podcast. Uh, I, you know, again, Katie Shields, unbelievable to talk to. Uh, She's welcome. Come on after every game. We'll do a coaches show, Katie. We'll do every, every Monday next season. I'm down. Let's do Let's do it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah no. she's great. She's, she's awesome. Uh, do we, super do we know yet what the, um, the broadcast situation is for the tournament? Volleyball is all on ESPN plus. So I gotta, I gotta think ESPN plus is the move for them. Right. I, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what I would think. I just haven't seen it announced yeah. yet. So. And I don't think it, let's, let's do some bad radio. Yeah, I mean, re- regardless of where it's going to be, you know, be sure and check out uh, our Twitter, and um, you know, we'll be, yes. we'll we'll be giving updates as soon as we find out anything, so where everybody can watch the uh, watch the game. And like we said, I mean, this team is absolutely infectious, and it is it is spreading, and and they're they're a joy to watch, and I think you won't be disappointed. 
on uh, on the 30th if you uh, if you tune in and check them out. Okay, so it looks like uh, oh wow, uh, this is interesting. So I'm just gonna kind of I'm gonna go down the logistics because we talked with with Katie a little bit about that. Um, games will be held on the campuses of Campbell, East Carolina, UNC Wilmington, in addition to Bryan Park in Greensboro. Jay Burt Gillette Athletic Complex Wilson, Sportsplex Matthews in Matthews. I'm sorry, uh, and then Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary. Um, so I'm not sure which of those is in Charlotte uh, that she talked about. Maybe that Matthews one. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's the only one that doesn't. I mean, uh, yeah, I can hear you click clacking over there. <laughs> Uh, was it that loud? No, yeah, I no, think, not that bad. I think that that one is a suburb of Charlotte. So that's okay. my guess. Um, but uh, it says each of the first four rounds will be available on NCAA.com. Ugh. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Um, and then the semifinals and finals will be broadcast on ESPN2 and ESPNU uh respectively so ncaa.com is where you guys can watch the uh, women's ncaa tournament and we will of course uh keep you updated with a link to watch that one so stay tuned follow us on twitter um at midtown mad pod uh follow me on twitter zach miller mmp uh, that's zach with no h or k in case you were wondering uh and peter is a tweeter uh, if you want to follow Peter Hale, he's, he's got great basketball recruiting. I, the, the source for all your, uh, men's basketball recruiting and with the way the women's soccer is going, man, you're going to have to up your game on that. I think. I think I am. <laughs> I, think I, am. I mean, hearing her talk about recruiting, I was kind of like, I've got to, I've got to look more into this. I, I, yeah. I love their approach. I, I, th- I, I was, I, I can't wait to hear when she finally does go to a, a high school musical. <laughs> it's gonna happen <laughs> sooner or later all right well thanks everybody for listening again follow us on all social media uh and like and subscribe to us on uh on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get them definitely go in and rate too give us five stars uh give us five stars but if you got something a suggestion let us know because we will we'll take crit, crit, critiques as well so again thank you guys for listening see you next time go bills thanks everybody go bills.